The Money Show. Small Business. With Pablo Fatidis. The Small Business Feature brought to you by Old Mutual. Visit oldmutual.co.za. Old Mutual. Do great things every day, as Pablo does. Uh, Pablo, welcome to The Money Show this evening. When we talk about a commoditized service, what are we talking about? What is a commoditized service? Bruce, it's something that is freely available, not freely available. It's freely accessible, commonly available, and wherever you look, someone has got something very similar to it. So a really good example would be automotive insurance. You know, what sets your insurer apart from any other insurer when it comes to insuring your car? In many ways, the car has a value, the car has a risk profile, and any of the underwriters, in other words, the people who generate and create these insured products, are going to be using very similar data in order to evaluate and assess what kind of cover you need and what kind of premium you would pay. That's one example. Another example is a hot cross bun. <laughs> what sets one apart from any other hot cross bun out there? The raisins. Wherever you it's look. the raisins and the cinnamon. I'm, I'm, <laughs> you asked the question, I'm just answering it. Sorry, I'm just informing you. If you well, case there we are. <laughs> Already you've got some form of differentiation. Exactly. But ultimately, you know, if you really look around and you really think about it, Anything anyone has to offer, well, there are many, many other individuals out there who say they have something similar to offer. And that's what commoditization does. It's where your features and benefits and the product and the service itself, well, really, if you reduce it to its essence, is available by 1,000, 5,000, 20,000, 50,000 other vendors out there. Um, okay, so in insurance, I mean, I suppose the biggest differentiator is claims history, the, the likelihood of being paid out, um, the, the the service levels that you receive in the time of crisis. Nobody wants ever to claim on an insurance policy, but if something goes awry, you want to be able to make sure that you do get paid um, uh, paid out. And, and that comes down to reputation. It comes down to brand. It comes down to the ethics of the company involved as to whether or not you get treated properly at the time of crisis, I suppose. Yeah, and if you look at all the established insurers out there, if they had shocking claims, payments, histories, if they had terrible, terrible service, well, they wouldn't be around any longer. So most of the folks who are around today have more or less got those elements in play and have more or less got some sort of consistent performance around them. So it still puts you in a position where you have a vehicle, you want to get insured, what's going to differentiate between one insurer, the next, or the one thereafter? And Bruce, very often, if anyone turns around and says, in this particular example, you know, we have a better, we have better cover. Well, then are you prepared to sit and read through reams and reams of tiny small print, <laughs> interpreting all sorts of unusual language to evaluate whether one premium or one, one form of cover is better than the other? If someone says we have a better price, well, then no, you're going to be missing some things that you need to be covered for because they're not being charged for. Ultimately, it's still the same thing. Car cover is car cover is car cover. And any of the big providers out there more or less have a fairly decent reputation of doing the right thing and behaving properly when it comes to the claim.
So it's a bit, I suppose, like, you know, at one stage, the businesses weren't commoditized because they were new. Um, I don't know who the first person ever to make soap was or to make candles was or to uh, do anything along those sorts of lines. Perhaps, uh, uh, you know, soap makers and printers, I don't know, uh, whatever the commodities of the 1700s were. Um, the, things have evolved since then, but there are more, I suppose, commodity businesses than ever before. And it's about how you then stand out in that space. Well, it's actually frightening how many companies there are out there. You know, I, I was looking for some stats and, you know, sadly in South Africa, we don't really have, well, let's call it easily accessible stats or very easy stats to, or, 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 or up-to-date stats more than anything else. But the last stats I recall around, for example, bakeries in South Africa, I think there were around 5,800 registered bakeries in South Africa, 5,800 bakeries. They all make croissants, they all make buns, they all make brioches, they all make jam donuts. So that's one example. Um, I was looking across in the United Kingdom, which has got really good quality stats. Printers alone, there are 15,277 printers servicing this tiny island with a population slightly larger than ours, but still servicing that tiny island. So the... Those services and those products, which all still exist today, the, the question we should be asking is, well, how do those companies survive? And what do they need to do to set each other apart from each other? Because that's where the answer in selling and differentiating what you do in a commoditized world becomes the art of business growth more than anything else. Okay, then tell us how. Uh, don't, don't, don't hold back. Don't hold back. You know we don't like Okay, so, so let's take one of the most rudimentary things out there. One of the things that's one of the oldest products in the world and one of the easiest products in the world for anyone to start after the show should they feel they can differentiate it. And that's going to be a bar of soap. <laughs> it really is one of the most basic things that uh, exist in, in the world of consumer or consumption. There are thousands upon thousands upon, I would almost say millions of soap manufacturers around the world. How do you then set yourself apart? And I want to share a story of a really interesting business in South Africa that was established about 15, 16 years ago. This particular individual had been involved in the retail end of, let's call it beauty products, uh, body products, cleaning products that we use on our person, on our bodies, etc., and so forth. He'd been in that world for about 10 years and uh, was responsible for managing, I think it was about 35 different retail stores, selling soaps and creams and perfumes and fragrances and scrubs and all those types of things. He left at Bruce because he said there's really no point of difference any longer and was about to enter into a fundamentally different career, something I always never ever support for the simple fact that the grass always seems green on the other side until you arrive there and realize that you didn't know what you didn't know before you got there, only to find out what you now know would have kept you in the industry you were in. And he said to me, right, I'm going to manufacture soap. And I thought, gosh, how are you going to stand apart? Effectively, what the business does today is it sells amenities into hotels. So you know that tiny bar of soap that you get when you stay overnight in a hotel? Yes. And that very, very small little smidgen of shampoo and body lotion, um, 
the slippers that you might get, the dressing gown that might or might not be there, depending on whether it's the right hotel or not. He plays into that space. And he was up against a very, very well-established corporation in South Africa with a big name and a big brand and a massive balance sheet behind it, which had decided that the manufacture of soap, of an amenity such as that soap you find by the basin, that small bar of soap, should be best outsourced to the cheapest, cheapest location in the world, which was 10, 15 years ago, China. I'm not sure it is today. And they were importing on in bulk enormous amounts of soap, small white bars um, in a, a plain uh, a see-through package and supplying it to hotels. And the hotels were saying, it's a need to have, it's a necessity to have, it's not something we really want to spend money on. Bruce, that's the world he went into. And in order to set himself apart, he had to think outside of the box of soap. And what he decided is that instead of selling on price alone, because price was the only thing that set apart one vendor from the next, the soap is the soap is the soap. He decided that he was going to understand the brand of the hotel <laughs> and what the guest experience Clearly. is made up of. Yep. And he did a deep analysis and learned there were about 3,200 and something activities that created the guest experience. It's an incredibly complicated activity. And much of it is outside of that hotel's control. Think of it this way. You arrive at OR Tambo, the reception you have at the airport, the road in or the trip into the hotel itself, the activities you perform at the hotel itself all weigh heavily on the guest experience. Immunities and soaps were something that nobody wanted to pay attention to. He captured the brand, the essence of what the advertising to all the tourists stood for. And he began to craft a collection of amenities that were designed to specifically encourage guests through their packaging, through their fragrances, through the feel of the amenities being used in the showers and bathrooms to be taken home after the stay. And through that, he managed to sell to international hotel groups the idea <laughs> that once a guest arrives at your hotel, experiences the hotel, finishes their trip and their holiday, they take their hotel back with them. And in doing so, mostly he had learned from the research he conducted, these amenities find themselves in the guest bathrooms that typically the tourists would um, have at home. It then creates a story in the home of that person who had stayed in the hotel. When a guest says, hey, I saw you in South Africa. I noticed the Baobab soap or the um, rooibos flavored shampoo or whatever the case is. What was that trip like? What was that all about? What was your stay there like? And through that, he fundamentally separated what he has to offer from the raw cost, hard cost 
of a commodity that is made by millions of other companies. It's so clever. It really is. And, uh, and on something as ordinary as a hotel soap, the thing that differentiates you, the thing that makes you take the message home, the thing, because you kind of, if, if somebody was to take a bar of soap from the hotel, it would, if, if, especially a closed one, you might feel that that's stealing. But actually, it's part of a strategy that says, please, take me home with you. A bit like Barclays did many years ago, uh, when there were still branches and people used to go to them. Uh, Barclays, because people would take the pens out of the banks, and so they got tired of chaining them to the desks. So instead, Barclays engaged them and said, um, I took this pen from my local bar. And it became a bit of a joke and became a little bit of a, a part of the, uh, the culture of the organization at that time. And that actually turned out to be a very clever strategy because, again, you know, your, your customer becomes your advertiser in that particular case. Completely. And Bruce, what was so clever about what he did, you know, in, in the selling propositions that he had developed for the hotels, he had gone and gotten credible, deep research to show how the sensors recreate experiences and he was able to convince specifically one of the big international brands that should that guest have a good stay there the sense the physical sense of the product that he offered the um, uh, the sense of smell of the product that he offered should should he get that piece right when that tourist goes back home every time they use that product again they think about the experience yeah. and they think about the holiday they had at that particular hotel group. What he's not able to do is show how that relived experience puts in the mind of that tourist, I want to say, I want to stay with the same hotel group the next time I go to another destination. He's convinced that it is the case, that it does have an impact. But obviously, you can't prove it empirically. There are scientific studies, though. I mean, I, there was one particular moment, no. and it, it's only ever happened to me once to this extent. It was a moment of deja vu, like I've not experienced before or since. But there was this, it was a, a, a winter's day, but there was, it was a sunny spot, and I caught a whiff of cobra floor polish. And it took me to a particular point. It took me to a spot in a boarding house where I spent four years in primary school. Um, and it was just suddenly the warm sun was coming through the, the north-facing window. And there was the shiny concrete floor that it had the cobra polish on it. And in that moment, it was, oh, my goodness me, I've been taken back to this place. And I recently went into a hotel and they've got a very strong fragrance in a diffuser in the reception area. And this diffuser then transfers that scent into the lifts. The lifts carried up to the bedroom floors all over the place. And when you walk into that hotel, it's like, oh yes, I'm back. This place. Oh, this is a happy place. This is a good place. And you get that sense of well-being. So I think he's onto something. I really do. Well, that's the art of differentiating in a commoditized world. You've got to go the extra mile to create an experience that sets you apart as opposed to the feature and criteria of your product. Wonderfully illustrated and put, as always. Pavlo Fotidis at Auric Business Accelerator.